One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the over-the-top studios high above Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas here with Dr. Robin Saltonstall, and we're bringing you, well, we're relaunching something that we started about a year ago uh, as Midlife Radio, and now we're Radio Midlife. Uh, but Robin, I really don't know why people would want to hear me, a cycling, skiing, podcaster, talk about this subject. You're the expert. Well, hardly an expert, but I do, I do have a uh, practice in Boulder called 40 Plus Integrative Health. I also teach part of the year in England at a small college that works on new issues for old problems called Schumacher College. In any case, I have found in both the UK and the US that this midlife period, of which I am part as well, um, is its own place in life. It has its own developmental tasks. It is something we enter into and what I hear from others we actually exit out of in a somewhat changed way um, if, if we do the work that we're supposed to do during midlife. So in any case I work with people who are in this particular phase and um, I hear over and over people coming through my door who say what is going on with me? I am different. There is something happening, and I need some help with it. And for a radio show, um, yeah, I have cycling shows, skiing shows, and it was funny. When you and I did our three or four shows a, a year ago, the response that we got to the, those was huge. Uh, emails, very popular, and then you dropped us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Of course, this is a midlife experience. You kind of enter and exit and enter and exit. And, and I want to say, you know, it's great because you and I, George, represent what midlife is about. We're athletes. We're academics. We are mothers. We're fathers. We're, we're sons and daughters. We are in this phase where... We are examining the fullness thus far of our life, where we are, we have, we're at this midpoint between the first half of our life and we're launching into the second half of our life, and often sometimes reluctantly. And midlife, I mean, I'm going to be 55 in two more months, two and a half months, and there's no way I want to live to be 110. So I think I felt like I was midlife around 35. And and you may have been. Okay. Actually. You may have been. So one of the things that's, that is uh, true is there isn't a lot of research on midlife. And I will cite some of that in a moment. But I want to say that this idea of the middle of our life, where we are aware of 
being different than we were before can happen earlier and it can happen later. And I think, in, at least in my patient population, what I observe is that because in the U.S. we have such an anti-aging phenomenon that people actually begin to experience midlife, but they try to push it away. They try to color it away. They try to make up it away. They try to make themselves up differently. And it's not until they're a little older, till they're really in, the, I'm going to say, the, the, the early 60s that they finally go, oh my gosh, this isn't changing. I really am someone different than who I was. And even though I might try to color my hair, I'm gray underneath, and I need to take that on. Now, I've had a pretty odd experience because I'm actually faster on my bike and a better skier than I was in my late 30s because of some accidents and all the rehab I've had to go through. So it's almost like a, a rebirth in a way uh, after I turned about 53. Yes, and you are speaking to... A couple of things there. One is, and we'll, we will talk about this a little more in the show, the empirical evidence does not show that we have a midlife crisis. Many, many people in midlife are finding that, for example, their times are better in their athletic pursuits, or in, if they're in an organizational setting, that their decision-making is much more informed and, and ends up being correct. So it's really a time where we gather up all of those resources that we have developed in ourselves, literally our, our way of being in the world. We gather that up and we kind of hone it. And there are some neurobiological correlates to this too, where part of our brain that is able to, to do the gestalt work, it's able to see the big picture, that part of our brain goes from dial-up to broadband in midlife. So um, there's some very positive parts of this, of this time, even though there are also some negative parts. There are negative parts, but that's what we're doing. We're playing with being at the peak of some part of us and also witnessing the decline and getting ready for the physical decline. So why a radio show about this time in our lives? Because there's virtually very little out there and I did I brought a um, being an academic I brought a paper that was written um, by a woman Margie Latchman who's at Brandeis who is um, runs the Lifespan Institute there and she did a, a paper two years ago looking at whether the amount of research that's been done on midlife and what she what she says in her paper is it's fair to say that of all the periods in the life course, the middle years, roughly ages 40 to 59, are the most overlooked. There are no journals or professional societies specifically devoted to midlife, yet all other age periods, infancy, childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, and old age have dedicated publications and organizations. And then she goes on to say, the lack of scholarship on midlife is puzzling as this age group covers a large segment of the life course. You and I, George, represent 28% of the total United States population as of the census in 2010, and we pay, play a central role in the lives of people who are younger than us and people who are older than us. So there's so little information out there from the academic arena, and yet there are a majority of us who are in this place and wondering, how do we navigate this? How do we navigate it? And it's different 
and our how we navigate in our 40s and our 50s and then in our 60s each each of those decades has its own particular developmental tasks but we're not sure what they are we just know when we talk with our friends that we're all going through them so any ideas on why that research hasn't been done well you know it's funny latchman says that one of the problems with studying midlife is that researchers can't get midlifers to come in and be studied because they're too busy they're taking care of their elderly parents and they're taking care of their kids and somewhere in there they have to go to the grocery store <laughs> so, so they're just not available so what are some things that you would like to cover with this and and really get some interaction going with our listeners well i i'm very interested because i work in the trenches with people with what would be helpful what what information do we actually need so for example i find that um discovering and learning about that our midlife brain actually goes from dial-up to broadband in certain arenas and it's specifically in our medial temporal lobe that but that for example actually when we are thinking about something we think about it now in the big picture so that's one of the reasons we can't remember names the name the name of a person isn't important what's important is what were we doing with them what were they doing what was salient about the experience so that's a very good example of information that is out there that can empower one when one is going oh my god i forgot someone's name because if we then say well of course i forgot their name because what i'm really interested in, in now is what was going on there what's the meaning that was happening when I was with that person. Now, how about other things, changes that are going on in our bodies and our relationships and even you saying, you know, we're busy with um, our children and also with our parents. I mean, we're really the, the kind of the connect there between everything as well. We are. I l actually like to think of us as being um, the filling in the sandwich with the slice of bread of our kids or younger people if we don't have children or even the first part of our life and the slice of bread of the the older folks who are in our life who were who we're taking care of um, but midlife you know let's talk for a minute actually about what what midlife is and again um, there's not a we we're, we're going to go on our own experience and what i find is that of the the people who i see it's really a time where uh, we feel, I call it feeling more older than younger, feeling M-O-T-Y, more older than young, but we're not yet elder. So it is a, it's, that feeling is characteristic of that. And we, we feel smarter in some ways, and we feel a lot more ignorant at the same time. And we also find ourselves keeping things and then culling other things. Many, many people will say to me, you know, I cleaned out the garage today, and then I cleaned it, and it felt so good, and I need to clean things out. So this idea of culling things, and yet at the same time culling with the idea of keeping things that are Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Important. So we began to kind of move inward. And the other thing that I notice, and perhaps we'll do a show on this, is that midlife is a time of what I call cocooning, where we actually move into a time of introspection and inwardness to the point where we may become asocial. So especially for people who are social, they'll be wondering, how come I don't go, I don't want to go out anymore? And it is a time of cocooning. And when we come out of that, then we actually find we have a new way of being in the world. So we do a lot of work during that cocooning phase. And are there physical changes that are happening inside that cocoon? Yeah, in fact, in fact, you're 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 making me think about I. One of the things that's that's true is that the midlife crisis isn't that that was something that was proposed by a Canadian psycho psychoanalyst in 1965 that there was a midlife crisis, and um, but the empirical evidence doesn't hold hold that up. Rather, what I see, and certainly in my own personal conversations with people, my own personal experience, this idea of a cocoon or a chrysalis, it's a midlife chrysalis. And I, we, we can borrow that from the lifespan of a butterfly. And what's really interesting is, so the butterfly goes from egg to, lar- to, from egg to um, caterpillar to the pupa or chrysalis to butterfly. And in the chrysalis stage, scientists have wondered why does the chrysalis all of a sudden become a goo inside? And what's been just like in the last three, four years discovered is that the caterpillar actually holds within it a genome for the butterfly, but that genome is actually not part of the caterpillar itself. So when the caterpillar goes and wraps itself up and becomes this chrysalis or cocoon, at that time, the genome of the butterfly, which is encased in something called, get this, this wonderful name, imaginal disks. So the imaginal disks and the chrysalis and the cocoon begin to grow and they begin to express the genome of the butterfly. And the caterpillar's immune system recognizes these as foreign and tries to snuff them out. But the imaginal disks grow at such a rate and link together that they become, start to become cells. They go from disks to cells. And the immune system of the caterpillar finally goes, well, I give up. And the caterpillar dissolves disintegrates and becomes a protein soup that then the imaginal cells feed on, they then feed on that protein soup and become an antenna, a wing, a little leg, and the colors on the wings, they become the butterfly. So 
that's such a great image for what happens with us because we enter into midlife, into this cocoon stage and become goo. And I can't tell you the number of people that say to me, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I've been. Yes, I do know where I've been, but I don't know it's where I want to keep going to. So this, we become goo and it's out of that goo that we craft the butterfly of ourselves. So with this little extra goo that I put around my belly with the Halloween eggnog, I'm I'm crafting something good. Well, you know what's really (laughs) interesting for for women's bodies, especially with menopause? So they put on this little tire, which everyone hates, but it's actually estrogenic fat, which allows estrogens to then be produced from fat. And guess what? After about nine years or so, and I hear, I can feel people going, oh my God, nine years? Yes, after about nine years, that fat disappears and we become our, as we were before. So there, is, there are all kinds of biological correlates to this cocooning stage. And I want to say um, one more thing about this chrysalis uh, metaphor before we move on. And actually, um, your partner, George, was, Terry was the one who, who pointed this out. We were talking about anti-aging, which we'll talk about more, and I think we should do a whole show on the anti-aging phenomenon in our culture. But what the anti-aging phenomenon is about is asking us to return to being a caterpillar when we're trying to be a butterfly. And there's a total disconnect there. And um, it just doesn't work for us, and it makes us feel um, a lot of self-loathing. So really combating one of the one of the things that the radio show can do is try to give us um, the sustenance so we don't succumb to that oh i want to be a caterpillar again and i don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here but where is that coming from well, I mean, who's really selling that to us? Okay, so that'll be part of our, our program okay. on anti-aging. But <laughs> So my quick answer to that is the phenomenon of aging has a bio, biological component. We are in a biological body, and biological bodies decompose. We are composting right now, and we have been since the moment we were born. And t- couple that with a commercial sector that wants to sell things and it wants to sell you a leg or a hip or a cochlear implant to replace what's composting. And so we end up with a huge commercial sector that is selling us body parts and physical things. They really are focused on the physical if you think about them. And unfortunately, the way those are targeted from a marketing point of view is you better not have wrinkles and you better not sit down. You better get going. So go buy a hip and go buy a knee. But the other part of what we are, of who we are, we have this other aspect of us, the metaphysical, whatever you want to call it, that at midlife is be is becoming more pronounced for us and more illuminated. And so as we lose our eyesight, we actually begin to look in, look inward, literally, and to see better inward. And as we lose our hearing, we begin to hear inward. And so there is 
there is a reason for compost. Compost actually nourishes other beings. And so our own composting is a way that sits us down and makes us turn inward and figure out what can we offer from this life that we've had to others? How are we gonna pull this together and leave something behind? What are we gonna leave behind? So we need to start looking at our changes, not necessarily as problems. Right, they're not problems. And you know, it's interesting because the term problem, which comes from the Greek and the Latin problema, means an obstacle in front of you or outside of you. And this is not, midlife is not a problem. It's not something to be considered and, sol and solved. We are in midlife. We're embedded in it. It's a, it's, it's again, I like, I like linguistics. So the word mid, the word mystery, midlife is a kind of mystery, but in the, in the real, the, the, the meaning of the word mysterium, which is the hidden essence of something or, and the other meaning, which is of mystery or craft work. So we are bringing something hidden into being when we're in midlife. And that, that's part of the work of midlife. Now, what are some topics that you really envision us covering in this show, uh, as well as hopefully getting feedback from listeners on things that they would like to hear? Well, I think given one thing, one thing is that uh, because there is so little research done on midlife of talking about what do we know as the people who are in midlife as the midlifers what are the stages we noticed we've gone through what are, am i cocooning am i coming out of a cocoon do am i not cocooning but what what are some of the stages and that information would be incredibly interesting to folks who do research so it, considering ourselves as an experiment of one and as an ex experiment of one in terms of our individual self and then experiment of of ourselves as a collective what is it to be in midlife so that's one that would be one obvious one the other one that came out of our um, comments that we had when we did the few little shows before was people want to talk about sex what happens you know some real real life things that was one big one that came out the other is um, how to juggle being at the crossroads of the first half of life and the second half of life, of being in between elder parents and children, that kind of thing. And then I am particularly interested in what, are, what the biological bases are and some of the, the neuroscientific findings about how our brain is going from dial-up to broadband and the ability to see widely that we lose an interest in detail and become very interested in what's going on and what the meanings of things are. So doing a program on the neuroscience of the midlife brain would be really and interesting. We'll also be bringing in some guests. And, yes, yes, we will. We will. In fact, I'd love to get uh, Margie Latchman if we could. Um, there are several people here in Boulder who, are, who have written about the psychology of midlife. So yeah, it would be great to do that. And I also would like to have what I call age spots, which are spots with people like you and me, just regular folk talking about their experience, because that's really how we learn. We learn from each other. So we're building a website and the, yes. that's going to be at radiomidlife.net. And we can be emailed at 
Radio Midlife 4550 at gmail.com. Radio Midlife 4550 at gmail.com. And thank you very much for reminding me of the correct email address, <laughs> Dr. Robin. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a group effort. It's one thing about midlife is we seek out others and going, are you going through this too? <laughs> and, and then we, we work together on such things. But I wanted to, um, you know, this is something, this whole midlife phenomenon is something that has gone, gone on since humans have been alive. And one of the phenomena of growing older now is that we, people used to die at age 30 and then it was 40 and onward. And now we have, you know, we're dying much later. But even Dante in the 1300s, he said, in the middle journey of my life, I came to myself in a dark wood where the direct way was lost. It's a hard thing to speak of how wild, harsh, and impenetrable that wood was. And then fast forward to a few years ago, and Anna Quindlin, who's a Pulitzer Prize writer, um, wrote a book on, on her midlife called Lots of Candles and Plenty of plenty of cake. And she says, recently, my 22-year-old daughter asked me what message I would give to my 22-year-old self if I could travel back in time. And I instantly had two responses. On the one hand, I would tell my younger self that she should stop listening to anyone who wanted to smack her down. She was smart enough, resourceful, and hardworking enough, pretty terrific in general. On the other hand, I would have to break the bad news that she knew nothing, really, about anything that mattered. Nothing at all. Not a clue. And then just one more, which is from George Carlin. So good old George, who uh, came up with the concept of vuja day. So we all know that day de vu means that it's like you thought you knew it before, and here it is. So vuja day is... Um, the sense that the feeling that somehow none of this has ever happened before and and we're here for the first time and that is really what a lot of us experience in midlife it's like looking at we're somewhere where we know we've been before but it's like we've never been here and our goal and hopefully we can do this with radio midlife is is to figure out how do we be in that moment of this is entirely new and it's exciting what am i going to do with it and how do i how do i move forward at, with creativity with all of these resources i have both internally and externally and really craft something with my life second half well robin i think that's a great place to wrap this up for our first episode well our fifth episode but oh, yeah. the first but, episode of radio midlife uh -huh. And um, we're going to be doing these weekly. Yes. And uh, yeah, really look forward to hearing from people and uh, getting this rolling. Thanks very much, Rowan. And I just want to underscore that. I just want to underscore that. We are the ones we are looking for. So let us know what topics would be interesting for us to cover that you would like to hear about and that you would like to contribute to. And you can contact us again at... Radio Midlife 4550 at gmail.com. Radio Midlife 4550 at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.